Welcome to Rusk Insights on Rehabilitation Medicine, a top podcast featuring interviews with thought leaders in the field of PM&R from Rusk Rehabilitation at NYU Langone Medical Center and other prominent rehab medicine institutions. Your host for these interviews is Dr. Tom Elwood. He will take you behind the scenes to look at what is transpiring in the exciting world of rehabilitation research and clinical services through the eyes of those involved in making dynamic breakthroughs in healthcare. So listen, learn, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode in the Rusk Rehabilitation Podcast Series. Today's interview is one of many that will make it possible to learn about developments in the field of rehabilitation aimed at improving the lives of patients. I'm honored to have as today's guest, Dr. Douglas Elwood, who serves as Chief Medical Officer at PWN Health, a firm based in New York City. Dr. Elwood, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. You're welcome. I'll mention at the outset that Dr. Doug Elwood also happens to be my son. He is a board-certified physician with over 15 years' experience in health and wellness, who has led innovation efforts for a number of companies, and has dedicated his career to improving education, communication, and outcomes for patients, caregivers, and healthcare providers. As a thought leader in the space, he has consulted to companies throughout the industry, presented at conferences worldwide, and has multiple publications, including a featured chapter in the esteemed annual HIMSS publication on M-Health. He is on part-time faculty at NYU Langone Medical Center at Rusk Rehabilitation and led one of the country's first and largest clinical studies on the use of technology in clinical care at Rusk and how social media, digital, mobile, and connected health influence communications, patient behavior, and physician workflow. In addition to his part-time work at Rusk, Dr. Elwood is the Chief Medical Officer for PWN Health, a New York City-based national leader in virtual care. In this role, he leads over 150 physicians and genetic counselors, creates clinical protocols, oversees all clinical quality issues, and provides virtual care to large numbers of patients on a daily basis. A graduate of Amherst College and Jefferson Medical College, he's the holder of both MD and MBA degrees. So I mentioned you served as a resident and chief resident at Rusk, and then afterwards as a part-time clinical instructor. You've been involved in a number of research activities exploring the use of technology to enhance patient care. Please provide some background and context for our listeners regarding those topics. Sure, I'd be happy to, and uh, actually very excited to do that as well. And before I get started, I just want to give a thanks not only to you, but also to Dr. Flanagan and the excellent staff at Rusk who started this podcast and have kept it going through the years. I think there have been a number of tremendous episodes and great speakers through the program. So really, I'm appreciative of both the program and my participation in it today. So you mentioned a lot of my background, and thank you for the nice introduction, and looking at the use of technology to enhance patient care. And I have been very interested in that and involved with that over at least the last decade now. It's been quite a while. I have dedicated my career to pursuing that pursuit. And it's interesting. I, it might be helpful to take a step back and start uh, even before I went to medical school. While I was still in college, I started a company that was an internet-based company. And it was really around how individuals access information. And it wasn't healthcare related at that point, but it was around this notion of how the internet and technology can help everyone really access information in an unprecedented manner 
that was never available before. So as I went to med school, and you mentioned I did an MD MBA and did that in Philadelphia, and then went to NYU at Rusk and did my rehabilitation training there. Around that time, the internet started to or continued to evolve. And as you mentioned, the emergence of mobile technology really took hold. And in 2007, a product came out, which a lot of people say revolutionized the world. Of course, it was part of a continuum, but it did have quite a major impact. And that was the iPhone. And when it was introduced in 2007, there were a considerable amount of naysayers around the potential adoption of iPhones and other mobile technology within healthcare specifically. And something about that movement and the ability of collecting information and, and using information in real time uh, resonated with me to the point that I got very excited about the prospect of how can we use mobile technology specifically, but other emerging trends as well, such as social communication, gaming, and I'll come back to a couple of these as we continue to talk, but how can we utilize that and leverage that service to enhance patient care, both from a healthcare provider viewpoint but also on the patient side. And what I started to realize as we looked into it is that the real-time component of that, the ability to not be logged into a computer sitting at a desk, but actually to have that capability in hand walking around the clinic was of tremendous potential value. The question was, how can we use that value in the best way possible? So over the next couple of years, while I finished my residency and I was chief resident and then a few first years after I completed my residency, I initiated a number of studies that looked at these questions. And with a number of my colleagues and with great support from the department, we were able to really act as pioneers in understanding the use of technology in real-time patient care. And the way we started was a we took a multifaceted approach and took individual steps to start to collect data around this. And the first one we did was just ask simple questions. We looked at the ACGME criteria, which are standard set of objectives for every resident in the country to learn. And we incorporated this real-time mobile technology into that evaluation. So for example, we did a study on professionalism, which is one of the ACGME core competencies. And we tried to understand if you give both residents and a multidisciplinary staff, which is so great about PM&Rs that we have on rounds, for example, so many different members of the team with us from physical and occupational therapy, et cetera, that go on the rounds with us. If we, were, if we enable those individuals to give real-time feedback on professionalism of the resident, for example, and even the patients as we walk around, how powerful could that be and what additional information does that give us? And what we found was really exciting. We found that if you do collect that information in real time, that you do actually gather a quite different outlook on what's happening and the feedback on the resident and the information then that you're able to use for further evaluation and improvement all in real time, which really to that point hadn't been completely possible. So that was our first step. We continued to branch out. One of our major programs was around amputee care and in a multi-pronged effort to get amputees up and moving around after what can be a very traumatic surgery for a lot of individuals. We focused on not only mobile and extending care beyond the four walls of the clinic, as it was appropriately termed back then, but also in then using other elements as well. So we looked at, for example, social media and the ability to draw in friends and family to help provide encouragement 
to get individuals motivated and up and moving again. A lot of this now has become mainstream, but back in 2008, 2009, 2010, this really wasn't happening to the point that it is now. So it was really quite exciting work. And again, great appreciation of Rusk supporting our endeavors and really pushing us to, to do more. To continue on that thread, we also started to look at and actually created an app around gaming. And a lot of people think of gaming as something that kids probably do too much. <laughs> I have two young ones myself, and they spend a fair amount of time playing the iPad and different games. But in the health context, gaming can actually be quite powerful in the sense of motivating individuals to achieve goals and objectives that take you on a stepwise progression towards an overall outcome. And that can be a very, very powerful and effective mechanism within healthcare to get people to do these small steps that fundamentally seem even arbitrary at too many, but when you're actually the one having to do it, it can become quite problematic when fitting into the daily context of your life. So for example, just getting somebody up and walking, again, sounds rudimentary in a lot of ways, but when you consider the levels of obesity and the overweight population in this country, it's much easier said than done when faced with the challenges of work and uh, food and a number of other issues that people are dealing with in a, in a real-time context. So we took this concept of gaming, we actually created an app that was based around using the iPhone or other mobile devices. And what we were able to do is tap into the phone's music library and created basically a movement app so that you could initiate some music, you could start moving, and based on the phone's accelerometer, actually track your movement. Uh, and then you could post that to your friends and family and help guide you over time. This was pretty early. The gaming segment and a lot of other advancements have been made over the last decade or so. But again, that was part of my research and, and really exciting to do. Just one more step that I wanted to mention is that around 2010, we were actually the second program in the country to introduce iPads to our residents and attendings and to use them with patients in real time. And the, the goal of that was really to make sure that our healthcare providers had the ability to access information in real time, but also more importantly, to create a communications conduit that could be established in the clinic in, in person with that individual, but then give that person a walk away collection of information that would be relevant and personalized to them. And I think when I look at technology, and this is something we can continue to talk about as the conversation goes on, but the personalization aspect of it is paramount, in my opinion, to success. And again, with mobility, gives us an unparalleled opportunity to capture that and harness that ability to personalize information. And if you think about it, when you're with the doctor as an individual, you're not worried about the masses that are out there outside of the offices and, and the statistics that are around you with your gender and race and age, what you're most concerned about is you as an individual. So for the physician or other healthcare provider to be able to personalize that information in real time, right in front of you, and have you walk away on your phone or your mobile device and be able to tap into that and start to leverage that in your daily activities to me, really felt like the future of healthcare. And as we've seen this play out over the last eight or nine years, uh, we've seen a lot of different companies jump into this and try to capitalize on that for the benefit of patients. So hopefully that gives you a, a quick background and context of 
the use of technology in some of the studies that I've done. And, uh, and you mentioned that we uh, published an article. I was very, very fortunate to be invited to publish an article in HIMSS, which is the uh, largest health IT conference in the world. And they do an annual publication. And they did have one on mobile health, M Health for short. And our research at Rusk was published there. So it was quite an honor and uh, an acknowledgement of, of a lot of what we had done. So thank you for uh, asking about that. Well, you provided an excellent history of how the iPhone and other forms of technology have enhanced patient engagement, which right now is a major focal point for improvements in healthcare. Are there any other examples that you'd like to mention about how developments in that realm are going to continue transpiring and affect healthcare as we know it today from the standpoint of patient engagement enhancement? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And patient engagement is, again, one of those issues that is so important these days. And however you look at the needed improvements in healthcare, clearly you can't overlook the role of the patient. And over the past few decades, that role specifically has evolved to the point now that consumers or patients, uh, employees, et cetera, are now really in control of making decisions to a point that's unprecedented. And how they make those decisions is clearly very important. And it's really the goal of most healthcare stakeholders to make sure that patients are empowered. Uh, there are terms like shared decision-making that are becoming not only now buzzwords, but much more integrated into the daily fabric of care. And when you look at how important that is to, for an individual to understand what's going on and the decisions that they're making, it really starts to coalesce on the how all of these different rudiments come together. So patient engagement is absolutely critical to the discussion. Uh, I've seen it uh, start as a buzzword, become part of, uh, come to fruition. And I think people are still struggling with, well, what is exactly does it mean? And how do we do this most effectively? And, and I think what's great about it is maybe we don't have the answer right now, but we're definitely on our own trajectory to finding better solutions. And you can see even around Rusk and other hospitals around the country that the idea of providing better information and guidance and education every step along the way and getting feedback from patients is just more and more important on a, through their journey. And a lot of work I've done, and I know in part two, I think we can talk more about this, but the ability of technology specifically to help with this process is very important. And I've spent a lot of work outside of the clinic, uh, understanding a, a lot of these different elements and looking at the on-ramps and off-ramps for individuals into the healthcare system and when they might stop certain treatments and why they might stop certain treatments, why they make decisions is, again, really tantamount to understanding people on an individual level and creating opportunities for them to flourish from a health perspective. So it's a really important question and one that I think uh, the healthcare community will be talking about for a long time to come. Another expression used frequently today is value-based care, and it's cited as an emerging and blossoming approach to containing costs while also enhancing care. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of speakers who have been on this program before with you have talked about value-based care and some of the great work that has been ongoing at Rusk. And really fundamentally, the idea there with value-based care is to simplify it or oversimplify it maybe is to look at this continuum of care and understand not only the care we're providing in the clinic, 
but also then how that translates into the whole value chain. So uh, I might see a patient in the clinic and that then that patient then goes home, does their activities. They might come back for physical or occupational therapy, see a number of other PM&R colleagues, other specialties. But how are we doing as a system in addressing these individuals and looking across that continuum and making sure that there's continuity and that this care is not fragmented? And that fundamentally is a lot of potential waste in the system and unfortunately the opportunity for patients to get lost or to feel like they're not in control. And I think we know when that happens, it's much harder for anyone of us to follow any sort of regiment or recommendations that were made. So it's incumbent upon us as physicians, as researchers, as advocates for the healthcare system to ensure that we are providing value across this continuum. And again, this is an oversimplification of this issue, but the role of technology, in my opinion, becomes really important in that value chain and understanding how we can uh, maximize the journey of a patient through the system. And, and there are a number of other elements that are burgeoning as well, such as big data and just direct communications. And again, a, a number of speakers interviewees who have come on the program before me have have spoken very eloquently about this topic. So I can't do it justice without providing details and going into a lot more examples as they provided. So I I hope any listener will go back and find those because they're quite interesting uh, use cases and examples of how value-based care is being translated. But I do think it's a really important question and one that, again, will continue to be in the center of the healthcare discussion moving forward. Apart from technological advancements and big data and all these other functions that are occurring, healthcare delivery can be influenced quite dramatically by changes in regulatory and payment policies. So along such lines, do you see a shift occurring from traditional providers, such as physician offices, clinics, and hospitals, to something that's going to be much more technology-driven way of doing business? Yeah, it's another great question, and I think is absolutely is the answer. As the system continues to evolve and as the costs increasingly need to be contained while maintaining or improving quality of care and ultimately outcomes, technology plays a pivotal role in that from a number of different perspectives. Just to focus on one, for example, is telehealth. And again, we can talk more about this as we continue the conversation, but telehealth is providing a venue for individuals to access care that otherwise or or that can be delivered in a different venue. So in other words, when you look at physician offices, and I'm sure all the listeners out there can understand the uh, example of going to a physician's office and unfortunately having to wait for a long time or the clinic and having to wait for a long time and then unfortunately not being able to spend that much time with the physician, it's part of healthcare today in, in many ways. If that can be changed and we could take some of those patients and provide them with an alternative method of getting that care in a way that's still safe and of high quality, then we should do that. And a lot of hospitals and providers around the country are doing just that. And uh, CMS and other major regulatory and payment mechanisms are being put into place to help enhance that process. And while obviously making sure that, again, from a quality perspective that we're maintaining that, But even if you look at the field of PM&R, the ability to really maximize one's rehabilitation 
could be dramatically improved in a lot of cases, not all, of course, but could be dramatically enhanced by allowing that individual to have more instruction outside of the direct involvement of the provider if we can do it in a, in a safe way. So um, and if you look at chronic care and a number of different use cases, there's a pretty wide body of literature now that support these approaches and are pointing to what could be becoming in the future a very powerful mechanism for us to accomplish a lot of what you stated in the question. A lot of focus continues to be directed toward clinical care and biomedical research. Meanwhile, there are many developments in the commercial sphere, and you've mentioned some of them, such as the creation of apps, and they parallel and they augment what's occurring in the realms of the clinical care and biomedical research. How do you envision the commercial realm benefiting healthcare delivery and quality in the near future? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because we've seen this proliferation of apps and technology as companies try to unveil the opportunity there is there. Uh, Not many have been extremely successful in actually catching hold and becoming a mass approach that, that is beneficial. One of the areas that is growing quite quickly, if you look at going back to the iPhone, for example, the general... Uh, activity app that they offer is something that millions of people now use. It tracks some very simple metrics, such as how many times you stand up during the day, how many steps you take, but the ability of that then to lead to future applications and the ability to draw that into broader discussions can be, again, quite powerful. And if you look at things like medication adherence and the uh, ability of patients and individuals to adhere to different therapeutic regimens, the opportunity within the technology sphere is quite, uh, seems to be quite enormous. So that commercial opportunity and the commercial realm benefiting from that delivery and quality seems to really be quite big for them to be able to capture that and really take advantage of this intersection of doing right by individuals and also profiting from it. So there's there's a nice uh, incentive to create the best opportunities possible. And again, that can be from gaming to social to apps for adherence and activity and things like that. So a lot of opportunity out there, and it's great to see a lot of different companies jumping into it and trying to create really good, helpful patient apps and approaches. Dr. Elwood, I'm going to conclude part one of this interview by thanking you for sharing your insights with our listeners about several important topics pertaining to the delivery of healthcare. A second part of this interview will be made available on a separate occasion, and our listeners are invited to access it also. Well, great. Thank you so much. I look forward to that, talking to you again with that second portion of the conversation. Thank you again for joining us. You can learn more about Rusk at nyulangone.org slash Rusk. Also, be sure to follow this podcast on Twitter at Rusk Podcast.